start this second installment of the Viper Room message series. The Viper Room is, is more than a place. It stands as an illustration of where life can take us. If we aren't careful through the influence of Satan's temptation and our own choices, they can come together and we can take a wrong road. And that wrong road leads to somewhere. The wise man wrote that there is a way that seems right. Think about that for a moment. There is a way that seems right. But the end is destruction. We weren't planning on it to take us there, but it did. And so that's what I mean by ending up in the viper room. It's a place of darkness, shame, brokenness, a torn life, and self-defeating behavior. That's the road in. It's getting hurt. It's developing habits and hang-ups to where we end up crossing a line, to where we lose control, to where life is not at all what we planned it would be. And we, we are in a daily pattern that continues the spiral of sin, and we wonder if there's hope. And this message series is not just to identify how we end up there, but to raise the promise of Scripture that there is a way out. The book of Exodus is a great book, and it chronicles the story of the Israelites from slavery to freedom. We're taking what we learn from their story and applying it to our own story. And we're also taking a look at modern-day stories that help us to capture the lessons and the power of God in the road out. Exodus literally means the road out. I want to tell you today that you can transition from where you are. If where you are would be likened to darkness and despair, hopelessness, dysfunction, that does not have to be your future. By the power of God's grace, there is an exodus for you. It is called the road out. Let's learn from Melissa's story and see where it takes us. I don't remember when it began or how old I was when the sexual abuse started. It happened by a close relative and I just remember the change in my personality being almost overnight. I went from being this happy, carefree little girl to being withdrawn, feeling dirty, wondering what I had done wrong, what I had done to, to cause this. My parents didn't know anything about it. They weren't aware of any of it. And um, when I was seven, I discovered pornography. Unfortunately, it was um, readily available to me throughout the years and it skewed how I saw myself as a woman. I no longer saw myself as a beautiful person but as ugly, demeaned. I became the person who mothers didn't want their daughters to be friends with and they didn't want their sons to date. To them, I was trash. All of this began a spiral, a downward spiral in my life where I was depressed, I hated myself, I hated my life, and I just wanted to end it. 
a couple of weeks after my 15th birthday, I found a full bottle of sleeping pills in my mother's medicine cabinet. I don't know how many I took. I just remember thinking, I hope I took enough so I will never wake up. They found me and rushed me to the emergency room and my stomach was pumped. And I was in and out of consciousness for hours. And um, when I did finally come to, there was no one in my room. I was alone. And I remember just crying and feeling so desperately alone. What I didn't know is that there was someone that I had not met yet a few miles across town who was praying for me in his youth group. Almost a year later, I met this young man who would be my future husband, and he took me to church and introduced me to Jesus, where I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. Shortly after graduating high school, Aaron and I were married. I continued to carry the baggage from my past into my marriage, even though I had become a Christian. We f argued, we fought constantly. Um, we, were, we were miserable. I hated life. I felt ugly. I felt so unhappy. We had had an argument one day and I went up to my bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized that I just, I hated who I had become. I hated who I was. And I told God, if you are real, then you need to do something because I'm done. I've had it. I just wanted to die. The pain was real. My heart was broken. And I needed God to restore me. And I needed God to restore my marriage. The story of Melissa is very important because it shows us how many people end up in the Viper Room because a very painful situation happens in their life. Some, it's just the direct temptation of the enemy in conjunction with choices in response to that temptation. We call it lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We go after something thinking it's uh, going to be meaningful and satisfying. And there is a good side of evil. That's why the Bible says that sin is fun. But then it reaches the end of its season and we're left with the despair, the pain, the brokenness, and the self-defeating behavior. However, many people take this wrong road into the Viper Room, wrongly responding to a very painful situation in their life. Melissa was abused by a family member. It was horrible what she went through. Here's the thing. The darkness of Satan is never finished. No one is ever broken enough for Satan 
No one ever hurts enough. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So in her pain, he then places before her an option of dealing with that pain. Many people go down the road because of hurt. And then they develop these hang-ups and habits and addictions and lose control and have a life of total dysfunction. But it goes back to a wrong response to a very painful day or season in their life. You could be in that very place today. And by the time we get through with her story, you're going to see the power of God to address that level of pain and to provide healing and forgiveness. But there are some things that I want to talk about, not just identifying that you can end up in the Viper Room because of a very difficult time you go through but when you come out she went to church she asked Jesus into her heart but life wasn't suddenly uncomplicated life didn't become easy just because she accepted Jesus it's very important for us to know that the road out is not a fast lane that freedom is a process and there's going to be frustration in the process there's going to be some confusion on the road out It's all part of Satan's plan to get you to turn around and go back to what's familiar. It's very important for us to acknowledge this reality of the process so that we don't lose what God is doing in our life. I told you that God wants to give you an exodus and that we learn so much from the exodus he provided for the Israelites. Let me show you what happened in chapter 5. Look at these words. This is Exodus chapter 5 starting at verse 6. Moses has gone and confronted Pharaoh. He has told them that the word of God is, let the people go. And here's Pharaoh's response. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foreman. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, but still require them to make the same number as before. Don't reduce the quota. The same amount of bricks must be made. They've just changed the process and the resources. So what I want you to see is as the word comes for an exodus and the road out starts developing in their thinking, it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. In this particular situation, Pharaoh said bricks without straw. That was next to impossible. And yet the quota was the same. Also, we see that part of holding the people accountable were not just his managers, but Israelite foremen. So among the Israelites, people were selected to be leaders of certain groups. Now, to that point, that's not that big of a deal. But when they changed the way it would work, now you have your own family members who are enforcing that which is impossible and so, so Pharaoh's strategy is make it harder, not easier, and create division. Take those two thoughts. Anyone who tries to come out of darkness into light, I can promise you it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Why? Because Satan, he doesn't want you to come out. He doesn't want you to experience grace. He doesn't want you to know freedom and that deep satisfaction and a future of promise He is out to destroy you. So he is going to intensify. And when you are making good decisions, you know that horrible decisions have been part of the reason you're in the darkness. Now that you're making good decisions and you're putting distance between 
the person you've been and the person you are, then it gets harder and it creates this confusion in your own thoughts. On one side, your mind says to you, you would think now that I'm trying to do the right thing that God would not let it be so hard. Yet that other voice in your mind says, you know you're doing the right thing. You know that where you've been is not the future. You don't want to repeat that. You're looking for freedom. You're desperate for freedom. But now you've got this division in your own thinking. You start arguing with yourself. It's harder. There's confusion. And that's the prime time where many people decide to put up with the routine of captivity. They don't like it. But on this road, they had certain expectations that once they said, I'm sorry, God forgive me, God help me, that it would be more of an event than a process. And when they learned that it's a process, it's a road, they weren't expecting it to be uphill or as uphill as it is. And that's why you see many people who end up in any type of captivity, they go back into it because they underestimated the intense journey of the road out. Now, don't lose hope because I'm going to show you the power of God to help you to take every step. But let's be real with each other. The Bible talks about perseverance for a reason. There are two things I want you to get today in this first part of the story, and it's perseverance and power. Connect this story, and we'll draw the lessons with when they get to the Red Sea. So they've been on the road out longer. Now they're at the Red Sea. And the strongest, most equipped army the world has ever known to that point is now approaching. And the Red Sea is in front of them. So first of all, it was bricks and no straw. Now it's water and no boats. In other words, both are impossible scenarios. And they both happen in the Exodus. They both occur after the word of God, the promise of coming out. The Red Sea is while they are journeying out of Egypt, they come to this to this place and if the Red Sea wasn't enough now Pharaoh has his heart hardened and he pursues them and so look at what it says this is in chapter 14 just hear their heart hear their words put it on the screen for me as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt what have you done to us Listen, why did you make us leave Egypt? Let's go to the next verse. Didn't we tell you this would happen? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Do you see the confusion in their mind? For 400 years, this nation has been under the evil captivity of the enemy. Now they're free. God has provided a road out. But when it gets harder rather than easier, and when those confusing thoughts hit their mind, they get divided in their focus, and they are saying words like, we prefer the routine of captivity over this. So here's my my lesson. We learn it from Scripture. We learn it from anybody who has ever come out of darkness When you come out, you're going to be in the fight of your life. Because it's about your life. When you come out, 
it's going to get harder rather than easier. And you will be tempted as you argue with yourself to just backslide, to turn and, and go back to where you were. That's why I want to give you this word. It's the word perseverance. Perseverance that I talk about today is focused not on tomorrow, not on the next week. It's on the next step. For anybody who's coming out, you've got to take the next step. That's all you have to do. If you will persevere, meaning take the next step on the road, you will experience the power of God. Because here's also what we learn. None of us can deliver ourselves. No more than they could deliver themselves from Egypt or the Red Sea or Pharaoh's fighting men. It's the same with us. Unless the power of God shows up, works, then we will not discover the freedom that we so desperately need. But what is our part? Our part is to take that step. Hear me today. Let this this grip you. If you're trying to work out how you're going to make it tomorrow because it's really hard right now, what about next week? Take that off your mind. Don't worry about tomorrow. When you really focus, it's about the next step. Let's just take the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And if we keep taking steps, that's called perseverance, and we experience God's power, we will finish this day one step at a time. We will add another day to the process one step at a time. Focus is asking ourselves, what is the next step? What is the next choice I should make? That's your only part. Just take the step, let the power of God come. It is the power of God to do what you can't do. It says he would save them. He would rescue them. It's a word given only as it relates to the activity of God, letting God do for you what you can't do for yourself. If willpower would bring you out of some hang-up or habit or addiction, you would already be out. Your part is the next step. And then experience God's power in that process. When you've got self-defeating behavior and you say, that's it, God, I've got to have your grace, and you call out on that grace, and the door swings on that grace, and you take that road out, and it intensifies. It is at that moment that you must persevere. It's at that moment that you embrace the process of freedom where there is frustration. This is where some of the results of relationships broken and damage done is used by the enemy on the road out to try to create such complexity to everyday life that you want to throw in the towel and say, this is too hard. Listen, you did not get in this situation overnight and it is a process to come out. And if you will persevere, don't Don't overcomplicate it in what you've got to do. You just have to take the next right step and the power of God is responsible to then help you with whatever the circumstances are at that moment. If right now your circumstances is like making brick without straw, which is impossible, or trying to cross what is like a Red Sea with the enemy behind you, so you've got an impossibility, I want you to experience the power of God. Now, it's one thing to talk about the Israelites. But when we bring it into the story of like Melissa, I think it makes a different level of impact. Then the point and the principle of scripture really comes alive.
For Melissa to come in here this week and share her story is a very courageous thing. And God used it amazingly in the first service. And I'm just so appreciative of her honesty and her willingness to open up with us and let us see what happened and what God has done in providing the exodus for her. Would you welcome Melissa Goff as she comes to tell us the rest of this story. Now, when we, we signed off the video, Melissa was at a place of once again wanting to give up. She had set a place, a time, and a way to take her life. At this point, she had been to church. She had a great husband. You're going to hear all the unresolved issues It finally had such an influence on her and her family that she felt she was at the breaking point. So that's where we were when we signed off the video with Melissa saying, God, I've got to have your help. So would you take us from there? The next night we went to church and it was in a service much like this one that the minister stopped his sermon and he said, God has just shown me that there is someone sitting out in the congregation who is going to take their life. And at that time, he looked over at me and he said, I can tell you how and I can tell you when you're going to do it. He said, you need to come forward and you need to repent. And somehow I made my way to the altar. And I just cried out to God. I just gave him everything. And I asked him to clean me up, to make me new, to take away all the the garbage that had happened, to take away the anger that I felt. To help me to just let down, let, let go of the baggage that I had carried for so long. And God moved supernaturally that day. He set me free. He saved me. He restored my life that day. I felt hope and I felt joy for the first time since I was a kid. Wow. Now, let's put this together. All she could do is take another step. Because of the pain and the complications, the difficulty of the road out, on one side she had the voice that says, just end it all. So she set the time, the place, and the way. Yet there was another voice saying, that's not the way, turn to me. But she couldn't save herself. All she could do was take a step. That's called perseverance. It's not figuring out tomorrow. It's not figuring out next week. It's taking the next step. 
for her, that step was into a church service like this. Now watch the power, the power of God that put it on the heart of a man that someone was in tremendous need. That's as strong as the parting of the Red Sea. And so he challenged her and she then took another step. He said, if if you'll just turn to Jesus, if you'll repent, those are steps. And she took those steps, but then it was grace that flowed. It was mercy that flowed that started taking away years of pain, guilt, shame, and sin. See, if you'll persevere, even if it's hard and confusing, God will bring power. Now, her story goes on because she said that she not only needed God to do something for her, but the result of this was a marriage that was also at the breaking point. So tell us what's happened with your marriage. Well, since that time... um... God has done such a work in my marriage. It's not perfect. It's not easy, but we've had our ups and downs. And we were able, we we just celebrated our 20th anniversary this past October. (laughs) That's awesome. We both feel... God has blessed us more than we ever deserved. And he he has just done a marvelous thing for us. So the the steps, the perseverance and the power, not only for putting her life back together, but putting their marriage back together. And I want you to meet her husband. His name is Aaron. Why don't you come today, Aaron? Melissa, in her story to me, she said, God did this incredible work in her and in her marriage. And there was once a dream of of a family, but she kind of lost that dream to fear that maybe what had happened to her would happen to her kids. But God gave her a promise and said, I will take care of your kids. And so I think it would be a real blessing and just release another level of hope if you could go on and see the rest of the story because some of you may sit here today and you have a level of freedom but they're still part of of the dream that you've given up on because you think what has happened just puts some limitations uh, rather than realize when grace goes to work in your life it's an abundance that's why it's called amazing and don't ever take amazing out of grace ever because it's just amazing. So let me invite uh, her kids to the platform. Six are coming. One couldn't get here because he's in the nursery. So he couldn't walk. So these are the other six right here.
I can promise you that Satan has a destiny for every one of us. And this was not his destiny for Melissa and Aaron. His destiny was to keep her locked down in the issues of the past. But because she did what she could do, she just took a step. And God did his part, which was power over anything. We now have this family standing before us today just speaks of the depth of God's love and the power of his presence, how his word works. And I don't care what you've done or where you've been and how that brings you to a a certain negative and despairing perspective over the future. Let this be a modern day testimony that God still parts the Red Sea, that God still raises the dead. The tomb is empty And because Jesus is alive, he can take the death process of your life and create a resurrection. This is like a resurrection right here. This is the power of the same presence that raised Christ from the dead, bringing life to a heart and to a family. And the generations that will be influenced by the power of God in Melissa and Aaron. I tell you what, you can receive the very same. I want Melissa to tell us about just the promise God did give you and and what that meant to you and how it unfolded for your family. Isaiah. The night that I came forward after service, a lady from the congregation came to me and she gave me a scripture in Isaiah 61.3. And that scripture says, he gives us the oil of joy for mourning and beauty for ashes. When God met me here at the altar and I asked for his forgiveness, he burned all of that junk up Mm. and all that's left was ashes. And in place of that, he gave me beauty. He gave me a crown of beauty for my life. And when you look at this family, it just tells us how amazing God is. You see, on the road, that is a journey. It can get harder before it gets easier. But God's going to help you. And if you'll stay on that road, you'll realize what he has for you. And it's an abundance. It's amazing grace. It's life beyond your greatest dream so much more than the despair of sin's darkness. Even to the point that on that road, you're able to even look at betrayers, people that have hurt you deeply, and just say, you know what? I release you. I want you to hear what happened. It was a family member that was an abuser and betrayer in her life. Tell us kind of how that unfolded. A couple of weeks before my abuser passed away, I had gotten a phone call stating that he was very ill. And so I decided to make the trip back home. And I went over there and I sat with him. 
And I told him the story about Jesus and how he came to die for him. And I said, no matter what we do in our life, God can forgive us. And I prayed with him that day, and he asked Jesus into his heart. And wow. he's in heaven today. Wow. Perseverance and power, two more words. Redemption and reconciliation. The word redemption is best defined by what happened at the Exodus. It means to rescue. He brought Israel out of darkness into light. He rescued Melissa. She could not save herself. It is the grace of God that reached in the darkness, in the sin, and redeemed her, brought her from a horrible place to a new place. That's the power of redemption. It can happen for you. Reconciliation, it means to restitch the unraveled. Her life, her dreams, thoughts about the future had been torn to shreds, unraveled. But look at how God has put it back together and made the tapestry more beautiful, more incredible. No way for her to even imagined all those years ago that she would have these beautiful children this awesome husband, this awesome life. I tell you, this family is so amazing that after the first service, I had person after person come to me and go, I can't believe that. Because they know them and, and how solid they are and what, what an incredible family. And you just, you can't imagine that what they are now could have come from that. And see, if we allow that to be the message in the church, then we always have to live up to a standard we can't ever get to. This allows us to get real and say, you know what? All the brokenness and all the despair, you know what? He understood it. And he's made something beautiful of my life. You know, Gloria Gaither wrote that song, Something Beautiful, Something Good. She was going through one of the hardest times of her life, and she was out on this pavement. And you've seen it like a parking lot. It's a paved lot, and grass is coming up through you're like, how does that happen? You know, it's like poured concrete and somehow through all of that, life is springing forth. And through what she was going through, the difficulty of her life and looking at somehow life was coming through even the pavement, she went and sat down and she wrote that song about how God makes something beautiful. I want you to know that God can do that for you today. I want to allow these children to go back to their seats. Thank you for your champion heart. We love you so much. In the first service, a 13-year-old boy came weeping to the altar. A 16-year-old came to the altar, all the way up to senior adults, men and women alike. Some came as families with such a beautiful picture of restoration, redemption, and reconciliation. 
God can make something beautiful of your life. That's what you're seeing today. I know when you are seeing the shrapnel, you're seeing just the consequences of the sin. You think there's no way. And it's a hard way. It's not easy. But if you will just take the next step, you'll watch the power of God make something beautiful. He can do it with your eyes closed in his presence. If there's hurt in your life that has turned you in a destructive way or it's tempting to turn you in that direction, and rather than receive grace, you're, you're tempted to go away that will only complicate and make it worse. Today, when I give you that chance, I want you to come to the altar. Maybe you're here like Melissa and your hope is gone, but at least you're willing to take a step to the altar. Is her story just like a word of the Lord to you, like the word of the Lord came to her in that service? That God knows you're here and he put the events of your life together in such a way that you would be here today and this would be the story that you hear. It's just so personal, isn't it? So when I give that chance, would you get to the nearest aisle and come to this altar and just allow grace to flow like a river? No matter your age, if you've been here many, many times or this is your first time, this becomes a very safe place. It becomes like a hospital where the great physician, the Lord himself, will begin to apply his, his ministry to your heart and his hope to your future. As the team begins to sing, I want you to come. I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to wait. I want you to respond because God's going to do great things. Sing.